Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Usually whenever, in most church environments, whenever you, uh, when, not most, but a lot of church environments, whenever you even mention, I'm going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit, a lot of times people will just kind of like popcorn, just kind of get up and walk out because they're like, oh, it's going to get weird or whatever. And I get that. But write this down. Here's the first big point for you. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Straight up. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, okay? It's just a reality. If you're weird before the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, you're just going to be even more weird, okay? It's going to magnify your weirdness, you know? Um, But the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Um, I'm not going to lie to you and say that the Holy Spirit is is just this very logical, reasonable thing. I mean, in the Bible, the Bible actually describes the Holy Spirit like wind, like fire, like water, like oil, like a dove. I mean, it's like... So it's, it can be many-layered, multifaceted. I don't like to say it's complicated, but the Holy Spirit is, is very complex. It's the Holy Spirit of God. God is complex. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts, right? And so oftentimes it is hard. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's easy to just explain it. Like there's been, there's been futile attempts to try to explain the Holy Spirit with terrible illustrations like a three-leaf clover. is like the Trinity. It's like people try their best. And I think even in the book of Acts, they're just trying. It says what seemed to be like tongues of fire. People are trying to wrap their mind around this, but you just need to understand that there are some things that are revealed to us us, Deuteronomy says, that are for us to know. And there are some things that are revealed that are just for God to know. But we do our best to know the things that he has revealed. And one of the primary, primary ways that we see what he's revealed to us is through his word. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to try to read the scriptures today and see what the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just tell you my personal experience. I grew up in a uber charismatic church, like seriously, Pentecostal Assemblies of God, but like on steroids, okay? Like we were in very intense, like the church I grew up as a kid. Now, I don't want to like talk down about it because I do appreciate the experiences that I had. I actually think that that's what has shaped much of the passion that I have to not just endure church, but to enjoy church. So I'm thankful for that experience. Um, but to be candid with you, like there were some services that I was at when I was a kid that were, it was a little weird. And I didn't want to bring any of my friends to church because, you know, the, the pastor would say, bring your friends that don't know Jesus to church. And I'm thinking, I would never want them to come in this environment. Like people are running around in circles. I just got hit in the, in the face with a King of Kings banner. Um, <laughs> People are rolling around on the ground. I mean, it was, and listen, they, people may have been having like a genuine experience with God. I've never had one of those kind of moments like that. I've never wanted to take off running partly because I don't like to run whenever I'm not operating in the spirit. And even when I am operating in the spirit, I ain't trying to run. I just don't run. I walk and I sit at a leisurely pace. That's like what I do, right? But, but I've, I, I grew up in... By, by, by a show of hands, don't want to, don't want to, like, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to participate. But anybody in here, maybe you grew up in a church experience that was a little, little charismatic and crazy like that. Okay. Some of you in here. Uh, <clears throat> and then, and this is the crazy thing is I grew up in an environment like that, that was very, very wild and crazy and, you know, could not explain a lot, even in scripture about what was happening, which by the way, if it can't be explained in scripture, um, then it, it may, not be, uh, may not be what we're supposed to be doing, right? Uh, if, if it doesn't have a biblical foundation, then it, it just may just be a, a cultural thing. 
It may just be uh, an experiential thing that we're just kind of experiencing. But if it's not found in scripture, for me, I'm just like, I got to bring it all back to scripture, right? Um, so I grew up in, in that environment. And then I went to a seminary that was really the complete opposite. The, the denomination I grew up in was like far on this side. Like we always put the Holy Spirit on the stage. Then I went to this denomination and seminary where it's like, now we're going to put the Holy Spirit in a cage. So it's staging the spirit and caging the spirit. One abused it, one avoided it. And so this other denomination that I went to seminary in, I mean, literally they warned us in seminary, like stay away from people that talk about the Holy Spirit. Stay away. I mean, it was like the craziest thing. And so for me growing up in that and then going to this seminary, I just felt really confused. I felt really conflicted. And I just felt like, you know what? I just want to know like, God, if there's something for me, Related to the, this, the Holy Spirit, if there's something there, then Lord, I just want more of you. My desire was not to get a gift. My desire was not to uh, have a prayer language. My desire was not, and maybe some of that, that, that even terminology we'll get into in a little bit. My desire was just, I want more of God. And I think that's the first starting point that you and I have to get is like, if, if there is more of God that we can, we can pursue and have, then, then, then we should pursue that. Amen. And so today we're going to talk about um, a specific aspect of the Holy Spirit. It, like I said, it's multi-layered. Uh, you could talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. You could talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You could talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but today I want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and we'll break that down for just a little bit. Which, uh, by the way, let me, let me just share this with you. Um, there's been some theology that has taught. I want to bring clarity to this. To this that... Um, that there's some people that have the Holy Spirit, some Christians that have the Holy Spirit, and some people that do not have the Holy Spirit. And some of the terminology around it is, as you'll hear churches and Christians say, well, I go to a spirit-filled church, or that I'm a spirit-filled Christian. Well, Romans chapter eight says, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, that's another terminology or a number, it's kind of a street name for the Holy Spirit. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, it is, it is absolutely impossible to be a Christian and not be spirit-filled. But there is a difference between being filled with the Spirit and being baptized in the Spirit. And we're going to unpack that for just a little bit. Um, some of the terminology that I'll use today will be around this idea of baptism. And I want to explain, uh, because we just talked about water baptism, which I'll dig into that in just a moment. But um, there's actually, did you notice, there's, there's, there's not just one baptism there's not just one baptism. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter six. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Do you see that in your Bible? The doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, on resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we, uh, we will do um, if God permits. So in other words, what he's saying here, the writer here is saying there's some elementary or foundational doctrines or teachings. Doctrine simply just means teaching. There's some foundational doctrine and teaching um, that, that you guys got to get. And he lists what those are. It's repentance. It's uh, laying on of hands, which is when you pray for someone. Uh, it is resurrection of the dead, uh, judgment, uh, but the doctrine of baptism. So the writer here, actually, he believes that there is a foundational, I want you to hear me say, a foundational doctrine of baptisms that a believer should understand. And my desire for all of us as a church is that we would understand this foundational thing. And so that why? So that we can continue building our life. You can't build unless you have a good foundation. 
And so that's my desire. The word baptism uh, comes from a, from a word baptizo. It just means to immerse. Some of you, maybe you grew up in a certain church tradition where uh, when they talked about bapt, uh, baptism, they would sprinkle water. It's totally cool if you want to get down like that. But the actual word baptism means to immerse. Uh, have you ever dropped your phone in the pool before? That's baptized, okay? <laughs> have you ever dropped your phone in the toilet before? Again, baptism. I've done that before, right? What is it? It's when we use that word like, man, I got baptized in this. It's whenever something gets completely immersed into something. And that's what baptism means. It means to completely be immersed. Uh, I was watching with some of our friends from the church here the other night with our kids. We were introducing some of our kids to Nacho Libre. And very spiritual experience. But I love that part in the movie where, where, uh, where he says to his, his, his friend, he goes, I'm beginning to be a little concerned about your salvation and stuff. You have not been baptized. I love it when he says that. You have not been baptized. And he starts like just smashing his head in the bowl of water, you know. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that today. But Hebrew says that there, there are, there's, there's baptisms, so it's plural. I want to I give you what I think is three baptisms. I've shared uh, parts of this before uh, about a year or two ago, uh, but I want to share this again um, to bring us back to this path of the Spirit. But there's three baptisms that we see in Scripture, and they're going to put this on the screen for you. Maybe a screenshot this. Uh, but it says, uh, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. I'll show you a Scripture and explain that. The disciple baptizes us in water. I'll explain that. And then Jesus baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. These are three different baptisms and I can show them to you in scripture. But the first one, let's break this down. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. This is when you're saved. This is when you come to faith in Jesus Christ. This is the moment of salvation, conversion, when, when God regenerates your heart and he gives you a fresh start and a new beginning, forgives you of all your sins, gives you a new start in your life. But look what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, we have been baptized or immersed into Christ's body. That's not his physical body, but is the spiritual body, which by the way, that's what we call the church, the body of Christ. So he says, we have been baptized or immersed into Christ's body by the one spirit and have all been given that same Holy Spirit. So notice who's doing the baptizing here? It says by the one spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one baptizing or immersing you where? Into the body of Christ. Does that make sense? And so when you come to faith in Jesus, you're no longer, like imagine if this is a family over here and you're, you're an orphan outside of the family. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in a very spiritual way, I don't even fully know how to, un, how to explain this to you, but the Holy Spirit in that moment, when you put your faith and trust in what Jesus has done on the cross to forgive you of your sins, to give you a new start and a fresh beginning, in that moment, the Holy Spirit takes your life in a very spiritual way and places you, immerses you, baptizes you into a family called the body of Christ. The sad thing is that many Christians just dip in and out of the church, never fully immersing themselves in the church. I, my prayer for you is that you would be baptized into this church. My prayer for you is that you would go all in with this church because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. But not just this church, think about this. It's actually grander than even just our church. When you come to faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes you or immerses you into the big C church. We're part of something. Think about this. Today, all over the world, there are people that are worshiping. And not just today, every day, there are brothers and sisters in our family, members of the body of Christ that you and I have been placed in all over the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does at salvation. He baptizes you or immerses you into the body of Christ. 
The second one is this, the disciple, after that happens, the disciple baptizes us in water. And I want to explain that because some of you, you understand baptism, but maybe some of you in here, you don't know, like, why do you have to baptize people in water? Well, because of these reasons here. But first, uh, I'll tell you, Matthew 28 says, go, Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, immersing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, that's how we baptize someone. When we baptize someone, we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church tradition where we said this. It was kind of a, there was some, some um, arguments about you need to baptize someone in Jesus' name. Have you ever heard that? Uh, some people were like, no, just baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So there was some denominations that said, we're just gonna, we're gonna do this. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. Just kind of, we're gonna cover all. So Jesus gets a double mention. Think about that. In the name of the Father, the Son, that's Jesus, the name of the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. Jesus is like, he gets double on it. It's kind of cool. So, you know, whatever, whatever that is. But here's why we baptize in water. Because number one, Matthew 3, Jesus modeled it. Uh, number two, God requires it, Acts chapter two, not for salvation, but he said, I want you to do this. So that means he requires it. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. But Jesus modeled it, God requires it. And number three, Jesus commissioned it in Matthew 28. And so that's why we baptize. Baptism is one of the sacred traditions and sacraments of church instituted by God as a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's why we baptize with water. Some of you in here, listen, some of you in here, you've had that first experience where, where you've given your life to Jesus. You've been forgiven of your sins. Now you're, you've been uh, baptized into the family of God or immersed into the family of God, but you've never gone public. You've never done, you've never gone public and said, I belong to Jesus and to spiritual family. Listen, I want to encourage you. You're missing out on something very awesome. You're missing out on something so powerful and I want that for you. Our last time when we did baptism here, it was unbelievable. People shared their story and the whole church celebrated and went crazy. It was so awesome. I want that for every Christian in our church, every follower of Jesus in our church. But look what Jesus says in Luke 12. He says, I say to you, whoever de declares openly and confesses me, confesses me before men, the son of man, that's himself, Jesus, also would declare openly and confess him as one of his own before the angels of God. So literally when you're baptized and you go public with your profession of faith here on earth, whenever you go public for God, Jesus in heaven goes public for you. That powerful. It goes on and says, but he who denies me before men will be denied in the presence of angels of the angels of God. Baptism is the primary way that we see instituted by Jesus in scriptures, we see instituted by Jesus for us to go public with our, our commitment, our devotion to Jesus. So that's the second baptism, but here's the third one. Jesus then baptizes us in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me show this to you in scripture. Um, there are seven New Testament scriptures that use the phrase baptized in or with, depending on your translation. In and with is the same thing. It's interchangeable. Uh, in and with, it's basically, it's a Greek word, uh, in, uh, in pneumata. And it just simply means in or with, right? With the Holy Spirit. Um, but here's, here's, here's the interesting thing. Uh, before I share with you the scripture, there's only five things that are mentioned in all four gospels. Only five that are mentioned in all four. Now there's variations of different things, but there's five things that are mentioned in all four gospels. The birth of Christ, wouldn't you agree that's important? The birth of Christ, the death of Christ, another important one, right? The resurrection of Christ, that's a pretty big one. The feeding of the 5,000, that's a pretty big one too, if you're hungry. Um, and then the, this one here, the baptism in the Holy Spirit by Jesus. 
There's only five things mentioned in all four gospels, which would tell you that this must be pretty important. Let me show you some of them. Matthew chapter three, verse 11 says, I baptize you, John says this, I baptize you with water to show that you have repented. That is that you have turned towards God. But the one who will come after me, this is a prophetic utterance of Jesus. He says uh, about Jesus, but the one who will come, Jesus, after me, will baptize you with or in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, And who is John speaking of? Jesus. Jesus is the one doing the baptizing. What is Jesus doing? He's baptizing people. And number three, what is he baptizing them in? Not water, not into the church, but into the Holy Spirit. He's immersing the believer into the Holy Spirit of God. Mark chapter one, uh, verse eight says, I indeed baptize you with water. John again speaking, uh, but he, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter three, verse 16, John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. That's Jesus whose sandal strap, whose heir Jerusalem. <laughs> I am not worthy to even loose. That blessed you. I like that. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John chapter 1, verse 33, I did, not know, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. It's all throughout uh, the Gospels here, but I want you to notice something that's interesting. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would descend, but then would ascend. But when Jesus comes something shifts. He's, he, he sets a new example. The Holy Spirit, look what it says. The Holy Spirit descends and remains. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't fall on us and then leave us and come. It's not. Once the Holy Spirit comes, he dwells in us. We are secure. Now, let me show you the pattern in scripture for these three baptisms. Um, hopefully, I'm not just nerding out, nerding out on this and I'm into this. Hopefully, you think this is kind of cool too, but I love it. I'm going to show you the three baptisms. So here they are. Salvation, which is when you come to faith in Christ. Salvation, water, and uh, water baptism, and then the baptism in the Holy Spirit. No, Acts chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. I hope that we preach messages here that do not uh, just move people's hearts, but it cuts to our heart and gets down to what's really going on. And he said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So after they hear the gospel preached, they said, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. That's salvation. You repent, you turn towards God. Repent, salvation, first baptism, right? And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's water baptism. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a third baptism there. Uh, For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are uh, afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. That means that this gift, this promise is not just for them, but it's for all of us. It goes on uh, in Acts chapter eight. Here's three baptisms in Samaria. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So he's preaching the gospel. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits, uh, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. Man, that's my prayer for our cities. There'd be great joy in our city because of what God is doing. Amen. But he goes on, he says in verse 12, but when they believed, here's the, here's salvation. When they believed Philip, as he was, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So first they believed salvation. Number two, they were baptized. And it goes on. It says, uh, now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, that is that they believed, they sent Peter and John to them 
who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet, uh, had, for as yet he had not fallen upon uh, any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You see those three different things happening there as well. Here's three baptisms in Ephesus and I'll get to some more points for you. Acts chapter 19 says this, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive, he found disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you believed. There's that first one there. Uh, so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. There's many Christians that have never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. It says, and he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized. There's the second baptism, baptism in water, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues or languages, uh, heavenly languages and prophesied. Um, it's very interesting because you see these three different things, these patterns, and I'll show you even figurative patterns in scripture, but you see these three things. You see salvation, you see baptism in water, and then you see this, this spirit baptism where the Holy Spirit comes in power on people. And it's, it's unbelievable how you see it, not just clearly outlined like that, but you also see it in these figures and types. And I'm going to show you that. Uh, if you look with me over in 1 John chapter 5, this is the first one. I want you to see the figurative types of the three baptisms. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Those are the three that bear witness in heaven. But look at this. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. What is the blood for? Jesus' blood was shed so that you could be forgiven, you could be saved. That's one of the baptisms, right? It says the spirit, the water, water baptism, and the blood. The Holy Spirit, the water, the blood. Now look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant for, of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. This is speaking of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they came through the, the sea. But look at this, they were all baptized into Moses. This is interesting. Moses was a, a, a type of Christ. He was the deliverer of God's people, pointing us prophetically to Jesus who would one day come that would, just like Moses went into Egypt to bring them out of Egypt, Jesus came down into our world to bring us out of the sin that we live in. Moses is a type of Christ here. He says they were all baptized into their deliverer, that's salvation into the cloud. The scriptures talk about the, how Israel was led by a cloud by fire, which is another picture of the Holy Spirit and into the sea. It's unbelievable. Um, another one, I don't have time to break this down for you, but when you look at the tabernacle, the actual tabernacle and the temple that was set up by God through the people so that they could connect with God. Very interesting, the priests, the way that they approached God was this. First, they'd walk through the outer gates into the inner part of the gates. And as they walked in, the first thing that they would do is they'd go to the altar. It was the brazen altar where the sacrifices were made. The sacrifices were made for the forgiveness of their sins. It's a, it's a picture of what we would one day experience in Christ, him being sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins, salvation. So the priest first would come to the altar for the salvation of the people and would, would make a sacrifice. Then the next thing they'd go to a laver, a bowl of water, and they would, they would wash their hands into the bowl of water. And the next thing they'd be anointed with oil before they would go into the Holy of Holies. Look at that, the altar, salvation, the laver, water, baptism, 
the anointing oil is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to as oil. That's why in the Old Testament, when they would anoint people for spiritual leadership, they would take a bottle of oil and they would anoint their head with oil, representing the Holy Spirit coming upon that person, setting them apart for the assignment that God had called them to do. There are these three baptisms that are all through scripture. I see it on and on and on again. And really the question comes down to like, okay, if Jesus had something and did something, maybe we should have that too. What did Jesus have to have these three baptisms? Well, the first one, salvation, Jesus didn't have to be born again because he was born right the first time. So he didn't need to be baptized, right? In that, in that sense. But the second one, Jesus was water baptized. He's setting us a pattern and a model. And the third one is he was baptized in the spirit. We see how the spirit came upon him and immersed his life. Matthew chapter three says, then Jesus went on from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done. It should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, let me just tell you this. At what order do you have to do these things? Well, I think that the first one is, is, is right first, right? You, you, have to be, you have to be saved and forgiven of your sins and, and the Holy Spirit baptize you or place you, immerse you into the body of Christ. Then, you know, get baptized, water baptized. And spirit baptism, when your life is immersed into the Holy Spirit of God, I, I, it, it could happen all in the same day. Maybe it happens at different times. But what's important is that you see that there, there, there seems to be in scripture, this immersion of the Holy Spirit. While the Holy Spirit comes and he, he fills our life when we come to faith in Christ, there is this, this other place where our life, now, now is the Spirit no longer just in us, but now we're placed in the Spirit, completely submerged and surrounded by, immersed in the Holy Spirit of God. So what is it? It's, it, it appears that it's, it's this separate experience that you have throughout scripture that I see. When does it occur? It could occur in the moment of salvation. But I like what, what Paul says. I like living our lives under this type of theology. He says this in Ephesians chapter five, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's encouragement to the church of Ephesus is don't just have this one experience, but live your life constantly being filled by the Holy Spirit and immersed, a life immersed in the Holy Spirit. Paul uses a present tense imperative verb that could more explicitly be translated, be continually, always going back to this path of the Holy Spirit, just flooding into your life, but you placing your life completely under his control, allowing him to lead you, allowing him to guide you. If you want more scriptures about that, Acts 2, Acts 4, um, Acts 2, 4, Acts 4, 8, Acts 4, 23, and Acts 4, 31. It's all throughout there, this language of being constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do you need this? Why do I need this? Why do you need this? How does it impact your Monday? Because God forbid we preach messages that just apply to Sunday, right? We want it to impact your Monday and your Thursday. How does it impact your ministry, your marriage? See, the scriptures 
they show us when you read this, when people would be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized and immersed into the Holy Spirit of God, you would see that they would be clothed with power. They, they would have this power to be able to not just do ministry, but overcome the issues and the things in their life. Romans chapter eight says, my brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature is urging you to do, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can put to death the flesh. A lot of times we struggle with the same old sins and the same old habits because we, we have not been baptized into the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things that we so often deal with. But it is the Holy Spirit that helps us get dominion and victory in certain areas of our life. I even think about in my own life, there were certain things that I dealt with for the longest time, even as a Christian. But it was when I got to the place where I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what being baptized in the Spirit means. I don't know what that's gonna look like, but if you'll just immerse me, Jesus, immerse me, baptize me in the Holy Spirit completely. I remember, just so as clear as, as today, I remember my life literally being sensing like, I, I can do this. I can accomplish this Christian life. And the things that I dealt with and struggled with addictions, they just began to break off of my life. And I would just, I was leaning on and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't fully even know how to explain it. I just know that I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in my life and give me power to do and to be all that you've called me to do and all that you've called me to be. I can tell you this, I desperately, I know me, I desperately need, need the baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. How do you receive it? How do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Just like that, you receive it. I grew up in a church that would say, come down to the front. We're gonna push on your stomach a little bit. We're gonna tell you to speak it, speak it out, speak it out. And you know, talk, speaking in tongues, like, it was like, it was like someone was forcing it. The Holy Spirit does not have to be forced. He will not be forced. And he will not force himself on you. He's a gentleman. He likes to be welcomed. Look what it says in Luke 11. Jesus says, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who simply ask him? You just ask him. I remember being with a guy named Adam Bro and Mac Duvall and Charles Young in a little house. And we all had a prayer meeting this particular night and I prayed and I just began to pray. And I said, Father, I ask you to just pour your Holy Spirit out on my life and baptize me. And I remember in that moment, this is just the experience that I had, is that in that moment, the scriptures talk about um, there's, there's prayer languages that you're given. And in that moment, I, I just, I begin to just get this sense that I was supposed to open my mouth and begin to speak. And I began to pray and I was, it was just a couple syllables and I was praying in a it sense like a language, but it wasn't my language. And, but it was like the Holy Spirit was praying through me. And that's why in Romans, it says that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit of God will pray through us. See, there's, 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 there's this prayer that we can oftentimes get to our, get to this place where there's this prayer that we don't know. Have you ever been in this place? I don't even know what to pray for. And that's when the Holy Spirit will, will pray through you, connecting you to God. You see, you're made up of body, soul, and spirit. Well, sometimes we know what we need to do with our body. We know what we need to do with our, our mind, right? Our body, 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 soul, and spirit. Our soul is our mind, it's our emotions, it's the way we think. But sometimes connecting with God is hard physically and intellectually. And sometimes the way we have to connect with God is, is spiritually. It's, it's praying in the spirit. And for, for, 
the question that people ask me all the time is, so if I get baptized in the spirit, am I gonna speak in tongues? I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Some people do, some people don't. There's 22, I think, stories in the Bible where people have the Holy Spirit come upon them and I think only three of them, they speak in tongues. So there's some instances where people don't speak in tongues or speak in languages. There's sometimes that that does happen, sometimes it doesn't. Think about this, being filled with the Spirit does not always mean that you are gonna speak in tongues or speak in a certain language. There's some doctrines, and I, I stay away from this doctrine, but there's some doctrines and some denominations that believe that, that the, the evidence that you're filled with the Spirit is that you speak in tongues. I, I disagree with that. I think that's one of the evidences, but I think the better evidence is not that you have a gift of the Spirit, but that you demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit probably a better thing is like, I, I know people that speak in tongues, but they can't control their tongue. Right? Luke chapter four, Jesus was filled with the spirit, but we don't see him speak in tongues. I don't know if maybe he did, but we don't see it in the text. Luke chapter one, Elizabeth was filled with the spirit. She didn't speak in tongues, but she began to exhort and give a prophetic word. Luke chapter one, when Zechariah was filled with the spirit, he prophesied, but he didn't speak in tongues. I, I think when you read first Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, what you'll see is this that there are, there, there, there are these gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. When he comes into your life, it's not just that he gives you one gift, but he is the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you get him, you get all his gifts, they come, it's like a package deal. And for whatever reason, sometimes the Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to operate in certain gifts. Maybe it's prophetic. I, don't, I, don't, I would never tell people I have the gift of prophecy. I, I don't say I have that. But a few weeks ago, I was in Boston and the Holy Spirit just came and I just sensed the Holy Spirit and I, I wrote down a prophetic word in front of six, five, 600 people. I gave a prophetic word to this girl in the audience. I was so scared out of my mind. Like, what if this isn't right? Like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or like, what if it was like the pizza I ate the night before? Like what? But the Bible says prophesy according to your faith. The Holy Spirit inspired me in the moment. And then I prophesied and gave an encouraging word to build this girl up and the whole church began to clap and the, the whole church was built up and the girl ended up messing me saying, everything that you said was things I've been praying and asking God for. Everything that you said, I've journaled those things. I can show you in my journal that the things that you spoke by the Holy Spirit, God had been doing that. And so what did it do? It built up our faith. Now, I don't tell people I have the gift of prophecy, but I have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And from time to time, there's some of the gifts that the Spirit brings that sometimes he lets me operate in. I don't fully know how that works other than doing this. I yield my life to you, Holy Spirit. I submit my life to you. If you wanna give me a word of knowledge, if you wanna give me some type of discerning word, God, if you wanna give me a prophetic word, if you want me to pray in tongues, if you want me to give an interpretation, if you want me to, to speak and act, whatever you wanna do, Holy Spirit, I submit. I rely on you. I, I just want more of you in my life. And I think that's the point of being filled with the Spirit. Now, here's, here's what I want for, for every one of us. I want you to know that there's some of you that probably have grown up in a church where someone told you, hey, come down to the front. We're gonna pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit and to get your prayer language. And then nothing happens to you. And then you leave and then you're discouraged. That happened to my brother for about five years. He was so discouraged. He wanted to leave the church. But that's not God's heart. God doesn't want that. Like it, it, we create these cl this classism in Christianity. Like, do you speak in tongues? No. Do you speak in tongues? Or do you are you spirit filled? Or am I spirit filled? It's like we're it's like no no no. How about we all just say we want more of the Spirit of God, and then we allow the Holy Spirit of God to do what He wants to do in and through our lives. I think He's big enough. If he wants you to pray, have a prayer language, He's big enough to give it to you. I don't have to create a bunch of syllables and say, say what I'm saying, copy what I'm saying. 
That's manipulating the moment. It's manipulating the spirit. God's spirit is never going to be manipulated. If God wants to heal, then his spirit will cause someone to pray for someone to receive healing and they'll be healed. It's the things of the spirit, the stuff of the spirit. When you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, in chapter 14, he says, I want you to eagerly desire these things. Let me ask you this question. Do you eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit? The opera gifts is a bad word there. A better translation would be the stuff of the spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit does. Do you desire that in your life? I desire that in my life. Like I desire that in our church, but I desire it whenever I'm in the middle of the mission district and I'm hanging out, I desire for the Holy Spirit to, to, be, to begin to inspire me to go up to someone and give them in a non-weird way to give them a prophetic word. Could you imagine that? If God gives you a prophetic word for someone or if God gives you a word of knowledge for someone that is not a Christian and you get that word of knowledge and you go up to them and you're like, hey, I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but I'm a Christian. They may immediately be like, whoa, but I'm a Christian and I was just praying and I just sensed this. And you say something in so much detail, the Holy Spirit gives it to you that they begin to be moved with tears. And they're like, how did you know that? And you tell them, because I'm a Christian. Like I said, I'm a Christian. No. no, you tell them, well, I believe that God speaks to us and I'm a follower of Jesus. And I was just praying and I saw you and God... This is the stuff of the spirit. As spooky as that may sound, listen, it's in the Bible and it's real. And I want that for our church. I believe that as the spirit begins to move in a church like that and in our lives like that, that's when revival actually happens. We're not gonna have revival in our city by just playing some cute songs and giving some good talks. We will see an awakening in our city and revival in our city as we welcome the Holy Spirit of God into our lives individually and corporately, and we say, Holy Spirit, have your way. I don't fully understand everything, but I just want more of you in my life. And whatever you wanna do in and through my life, I'm, I'm yielded to your will. Amen? Amen? Come on, why don't you bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you so much. And um, we just thank you for your word that shows us that there is this immersion in the spirit, that this baptism where you want to take us and you want to literally, you don't want us just to dip our toe in the water, but you want us to dive all in with the Holy Spirit of God. And so God, we just say that as a church, I say it as the pastor of this church, as the shepherd of this house, I say, come Holy Spirit. God, we also understand that your word teaches us in 1 Corinthians 14, that though the spirit may come, there's still order in the house, that there's still, or there's not chaos, there's not confusion, for God is not a God of disorder, but of order. And so God, I thank you that even when the spirit comes, there is order to that. And God, we just, we ask for that in our church. I pray that even as we're in this collection of sermons and we're on this spiritual journey together, God, I just pray that this would even be a pivotal, a pivot point for our church where where literally we, we begin to step into a direction and lead into what, lean into what your Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives and in our church. I pray, as Paul said, that we would, be eager, we would eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit in our lives and in our church. God, we thank you that you're not weird. Sometimes people can be weird, but we ask you to come and and for us to be in a place where we, we, we willingly receive and welcome you to move in our lives and to move in our church. And we thank you that we're going to see, I just speak this over our church, that we will see 
in months and years to come, we will see not only people come to faith in Christ, but we'll see, God, we'll see people healed. We'll see the supernatural in our church. We'll see things in our church happen, Holy Spirit, that only you can get the credit for. God, I pray that things will happen in our lives and in our church that will demand an explanation to people. But God, that the only explanation we can give them is that Jesus is alive and that the Holy Spirit is powerful and that God is real and that God can save you and change your life. And that God, that this, God, the activity of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, God, God, that this would cause a revival in our church. It caused a revival in our city and not just in our church and other churches, that God, there'd be a greater openness to the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. I want you to do this right now. I just want you just in your own way, just say, come Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I welcome you and I invite you into my life. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Jesus, baptize us, immerse us into the Holy Spirit of God. And like it says in Ephesians 4, may we continually be filled with and immersed in the Holy Spirit. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.